Welcome to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon, anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. On today's episode, Dave and Bud will be discussing the principles and strategies of courageous leadership. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Win the 16 podcast, and thank you all for listening. Huge thanks to Carrie and the team for the support, as always. We'd love to ask everyone to please rate, review, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Bud, excited to announce our listeners are broadening. We now have listeners in four different continents, which is exciting and fun. So uh, that's been that was great to get that analytics this week. Bud, how you doing? Welcome to the podcast. That's amazing. Uh, and I'm great. Uh, I don't think I've ever been better. I love that. You are consistent. Yeah, I was excited to that when uh, we found out that we're now four different continents having listeners. So it's pretty cool. We're, we're progressing, bud. So today's topic will be courageous leadership. You and I have been waiting for this topic to bring it and discuss it with everyone. So we're, we're really excited about jumping into that one today. In my opinion, this podcast is not just for leaders, managers, and people with direct reports. Courage is a skill that benefits everyone. Example, courageous is important in something as simple as a conversation with a colleague, sibling, or a friend. But what's your perspective on this topic before we jump in? Uh, you know, it's funny, as CMO, I grew to believe, and I guess I still hold this belief, that courage is the most important characteristic of a leader. Um, it was just crystal clear to me that a lot of the things that we were trying to do um, required the leadership skill of courage and sometimes the lack of uh, having that skill. And we'll talk more about that in the podcast, that it is a skill. It isn't just a trait um, that can be developed, uh, held us back. And, and, and by held us back, I would say probably me, held me back. Um, I know I've talked about in the different podcasts about my, you know, my four C's of leadership and courage, I think is the most important. Uh, you and I have had this conversation before too, where, you know, in some of the leadership things we've read is people know what to do. And you and I debate this a little bit. Um, and I do believe that. And I felt that I've, I have felt that to be true in the leaders I've dealt with, but in off in many ways, it was that lack of courage that held them back from doing what they knew needed to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this is an important topic. We've touched on it referenced it in a couple of previous podcasts. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of tying up some loose ends in this one. Well, our podcasts have been consistent on this end and our loyal listeners would agree with this. Most, if not all, when we talk about, they are things that are skills that we can work on, which ties back to win the 16. These are all things we have choices on that if we believe they're a priority and important enough, we can work on them and courageous leadership is one of them. You and I have been discussing courageous leadership for quite some time now, and I'm really glad we finally now decided to have this as a topic. One of the discussions 
but we were talking recently in the last month was, and I knew about it, but as we dug deeper into it, I didn't know it like I should have known. And that is bravery versus courageous leadership. And they are absolutely different, but there's a difference between bravery and courageousness. But do you want to define them for everybody? I think that might bring it a nice perspective as we jump into this today. Yeah, I think, first of all, I love being the definition guy, and I do think it is a great takeoff point for us. Um, so bravery comes from the Italian word bravo, which means bold. In, in prior uh, times, it even meant wild or savage. Um, and so it really is the ability to confront something painful or difficult or dangerous without fear. It's a quality, not a state of mind. It doesn't need a cause to awaken it. Someone is brave. They have it. It's effortless. It's an inborn trait. They have it or they don't. Think of it like a fixed quality as we refer back to some of the previous conversations we've had. Courage, on the other hand, is the ability to confront something painful, dangerous, or difficult despite your fear. It's not a quality, but a choice. It's agency, right? The person feels fear, pain, or danger, but they choose to persevere anyway. Unlike bravery, courage is driven by a cause. The courageous person believes the cause is worth standing up and fighting for, despite all the clear reasons not to. And I think, too, to tie this back into a conversation we had about vulnerability, and Brene Brown will bring that definition back in, you know, for her, vulnerability is about uncertainty and risk and emotional exposure. Um, and she believes it's the most accurate measure of courage. It's our own willingness to engage with our vulnerability that determines the depth of our courage and the clarity of our purpose. And I think those are three good definitions. Oh, and I want to talk about, too, the difference. Courage, it comes from the French word cour, which means heart. So I think that also gives you a little bit of a sense of where those two words are coming from and how bravery is different from courage. But I thought I knew both of these words pretty well. And what I realized after micromanaging both of these and really reading and studying them, I just knew them on the periphery. And for instance, bravery, what's really jumped out to me on that one is it's an instinct you do not hesitate, you just act. That's bravery. You're acting without thinking. And that really hit home for me. I don't know if I thought of it to that degree once we dug into this topic. And then courage, that one, we absolutely have fear, but we still act. And as we're diving into courageous leadership today, I think about leaders out there and Walt Disney said it, courage is the main quality of leadership, no matter where it is exercised. It is the main quality of leadership. And I think all of us who've studied Walt Disney have a, has a lot of respect for the leadership things and what he taught us. Uh, it all started with a mouse, all the land that he bought, the vision. And I think another one from him that he communicated to all of us is courage is the main quality of leadership. I think it's excellent uh, starting your own company. There's that's not bravery. That's courage to me. Right, bud. I was absolutely aware of uh, fear, the danger, but I still took the risk. And for everyone out there, uh, Nick Wisher last week, who started his company, 
yoke with his partners, right? That's a risk. They knew exactly what they were getting into. That's courageous. So I just thought I would share some specific examples of it, of it because it is different. Well, I know day two, we're going to talk um, a little about as we get more into it about, I think, a highlight of the courage to start your own company. It wasn't just an instinctive, oh, I'm just doing this. So I quit my job and tomorrow I started a company. It was thoughtful, right? And we'll go through some of the steps that you use to develop courage as a skill. And again, you can relate to how they apply to your own decision-making and your own actions and behaviors uh, to starting the company. Um, I, I agree with Walt Disney as the main quality. And, and I say that I came to that on my own through my own experiences. You know, and, and Maya Angelou talked about, you know, without courage, we cannot practice any other virtue with consistency. We can't be kind, true, merciful, generous, or honest, right? Um, and then to show sort of the timelessness of the concept of courage, and you can go back to Aristotle, what he said about courage. Courage allows us to act on our virtues rather than our impulses. It is the virtue at the mean between rashness and cowardice. Mm. Um, and so to me, courage is such an important thing and something I've really spent a lot of time thinking about, um, in my leadership experience. Um, and so I think that is something that is important and something that we'll look forward to when you mentioned the bravery as an instinct and acting fast and courage, um, is more of a thoughtful, you know, how are we going to plan through? I kind of thought of like, Daniel Kahneman's think fast and think slow, that sort of instinctual think fast, we just respond. Um, and then that think slow, which is in many ways a more accurate, reflective, um, less likely to fool you um, than your sort of instinctual response. That's how I think of courage. And I think those are the two differences of bravery and courage. Uh, and if, as we've talked about in previous episodes, um, you know, we talked about Dwick and her fixed and growth. You know, we don't spend a ton of time on fixed because in just by definition, that's sort of who you are. We spend more time on that growth mindset and how we can get to it. And so that's why we'll spend more time today talking about courage because that's something we believe is a skill that we have agency over and can get better at. Whereas bravery for most of us, it kind of is what it is that mm -hmm. we're born with. Yes. And we're just trying to bring this topic up today. And it's not that just Bud, myself, and Walt Disney believe this is a, a key ingredient to leadership. John Maxwell said, successful leaders have the courage to take action while others hesitate. I, I love that one. Doing research, that one jumped out at me. Steve Jobs, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Now, that one to me is a little careful. Watch out. I love that Steve Jobs had said that about being courageous. You know, if you've got something you really believe in your heart and your intuition, I just also in the back of my brain, the critical part of my mind says, uh, let's not over make decisions with just our heart. Analytics, the data, all the other stuff need to come into play there. So I don't want to be the one here boasting follow heart because I do believe sometimes in leadership, when we do that, we make some, we could make some potential mistakes. I think it's a combination is the way I've always thought of leadership as balancing all of those things. Because nowadays, there's so much data, so much things to support us, to help us lead. We really need to put all of that 
into our recipe for success. Again, a courage is a skill. So for everybody out there listening, it is a skill and it can be developed like most or if not all the things that we talk about in the Win the 16s. And that's what's great about our conversations, the book coming out, is these are skills that if we put them under our priorities, they can be worked on and developed. So, but I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we thought we should get this out there and get out. So Courageousness by Walt Disney and Steve Jobs, John Maxwell, and many others believe that it's such an important part of leadership. Why aren't people doing it then more often? Why isn't it coming up in more conversations? Why isn't it a focus? In, why isn't it part of the development training for some people? Well, a couple things. To be courageous, you potentially have to understand that you might have to lose some control. That takes a sense of courageousness for some people if they lose some control. Uh, vulnerability is part of it. That Brene Brown piece bought on vulnerability that's another reason why potentially people might not be courageous. You know, they don't want to be vulnerable. Hard to micromanage. That could be a piece of courageousness in doing that. Risk adverse, lack of confidence. Don't want to risk their name or their brand potentially. It takes some courageous to do that. Playing not to lose instead of winning. Political, sometimes we can make leadership decisions basing it a little bit more on the political side of the organization instead of maybe being courageous and making some decisions that make more sense, but we're playing it safe. The other thing is, it's as simple as being courageous can be hard. It can be tough. Last but not least, we might not do it because we don't want the pushback. We're very busy. We've talked about it at length on all our podcasts. Time is precious. And we don't want to necessarily take that courageous step because it's going to cause us some additional work and time. So, but I shared a lot of reasons why people might not be courageous at times. Anything else or any comments you want to? Well, I think those are all legitimate reasons. And when we talk about some steps later on, I think they all address some of those things. Um, I found in my experience, sometimes people had a really hard time with um, assessing the time opportunity cost. So we all, we, not, I don't want to use terms like always, but we frequently put off decisions today for tomorrow without an understanding of what we were costing ourselves by delaying the decision, which again is not to be impulsive. Always take your time. We'll talk about that in our steps too. Um, but sometimes people have a hard time with that risk benefit calculation. Yes. Right. Yes. Because the time opportunity cost is, in, is an unknown and it's often hard to tie a dollar amount to that, uh, in a business. Um, it's possible. It just takes a little bit of work with your finance people and the way you value your business and what have you. Um, but often it's not done. And then without that information, it sometimes makes it harder to get off the dime and move, take the risk to move forward because you don't really understand what you're risking by standing still. Mm. Completely believe that one, 100%. 100%.
but let's look at some traits of courageous leadership. So why we wanted to share this with everybody is for those of us out there, as we share some of these traits of what courageous leads are, the ask is first, think about yourself. Are you very commonly exhibiting these type of traits? If you are, then you are on that path of courageous leadership, as well as if you have leaders underneath you and even into individual contributors or even somebody in, you know, in your own household, if you're looking to see if there's courageousness being exhibited, these are some of the things that you're going to see. Routinely is the keyword I would like to use. One, taking risks. Are they taking risks? That is an example of courageous leadership. People who exhibit courageous leadership, they take risks. They put their name behind things. They put their name behind people. They put their name behind actions without worrying about the potential fallout because it's the right decision. Straight talk. They're open. They're honest. They say things like this commonly and routinely. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. They relinquish some control. I'll say that one again. Relinquishing control. Sometimes people are wonderful, but, and I'm saying this laughing a little bit. Some people view, oh yeah, I, I relinquish control. But then as I tend to ask them more and more questions, what I find out, bud, some people relinquish control on things they don't care about or that are not important. That would not really fall under the courageous leadership category. What we're saying here is they're relinquishing control on things that are very important because it's the right thing to do because that person they might be relinquishing to are the experts in that subject. Identifying our own blind spots and then sharing them with others. Holding on to our blind spots or things that we might not be that good at. We need to go a step further and let other, people's know, other people know so they can help us through that. Accepting accountability. Accepting accountability. I know a book you and I really enjoyed was Extreme Ownership by the uh, ex-Navy SEAL. He's an author, podcaster now, and that's Jocko Wilnick on accountability. And one of the stories in the book he talks about was it went on a mission. It wasn't necessarily him that it caused the problems or why it wasn't successful. But when he went in to talk to his leaders, he said, it's on me. And he absolutely accepted the accountability for that mission. That It was all on him. He was the problem there. Confronting reality head on. Uh, the example I give, I like to give here is companies downsizing. For the people that are getting that message, it's never a great thing for them. It might be a great business decision. I'm sure it is in most cases, but being real with people, staying in compliance and legal, I know that's always uh, something we need to keep uh, aware of and at the forefront, but courageous leadership is being real with people on this topic for one example. And then the last one is hiring smarter and different people than us. Finding people out there that are, you know, diverse to our th thinking and thought processes and flat out, bud, smarter. So there was a lot of traits there that I shared that we should be looking within ourselves to see if we're demonstrating, bud, as leaders, as well as what we should look for in others. 
anything else on this topic you want to share on some of the things I mentioned? You know, those are all excellent. Um, the blind spot one in particular, because I think the more you can see reality more clearly, the better you are to, to confront it and move forward and change and grow. Um, the hiring smarter people, obviously I'm a big fan of, you can't get better. I've seen this happen where people don't do that in some places because of fear that that what they've done is hired their replacement. Mm. Um, and I've seen that play out. And I think those are weaker organizations and that certainly is done to the detriment of an organization. Um, but it's, it's not uncommon. Um, how many, how many companies or businesses have great succession plans? Um, you can even Fair. look, you mentioned Disney. Let's talk about Eisner, right? Coming back. Didn't do a great job with grooming and picking successors. Successor had some issues. Pandemic didn't help and others, you know, I'm not even taking shots at what did or didn't happen. But then he comes back riding the white charger. Um, and a lot of the things I've read now are, you know, he, he had a hard time walking away and letting go and, and never built a culture of a true succession plan where he had people underneath him that he was grooming to relieve him mm. and to replace him. You know, that's a very hard thing to do. It's a special person that brings on someone who they can groom them to be better than them. Um, especially when you get to, you know, leaders at those kinds of levels and the egos and what have you. So, you know, these are really, again, like we've said, um, you know, most of these things we're talking about are very difficult to do and take a lot of work, take a lot of work. Right. And again, we, we talk about time all the time. I would say in this category, it's worth the time because your, your long-term benefits, if you can spend time on this courageousness piece, will be there. And it will be a differentiator when people are looking at you versus the person next to you, if this can be an area where you can exceed and really thrive in. I, a couple of examples of courageous leadership. I mean, Winston Churchill is a is the classic example, not cutting a deal with Hitler back in the day and inspiring people to fight on. It's funny, when we look back in time, we these courageous decisions that occur, sometimes we like we look at them and say they're amazing, but there's other times we look like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, it made a lot of sense. It's so much easier looking back. I, another great one that you and I both read this in the past and in history was Harriet Tubman in the 1880s 1800, excuse me. I mean, I think this story is an amazing one. Escapes from slavery, but then returned back to Maryland to lead others to freedom. I mean, that, I can't imagine going back into that and to try to free other people. What an example of courageous leadership that was. So we could go on and on about people in the past exhibiting this, the point of sharing some of the traits to look for in ourselves, this is a great opportunity, I think, for all of us to relook where we're at in terms of our own courageousness and courageous leadership. So, Bud, why don't we take a quick break now that we've talked about some traits as well as some other reasons why people do not jump into courageous leadership at times. And we're going to lead in, when we get back from our break, we're going to talk about ways we can become uh, a, even more of a courageous leader. So 
Thank you for listening to Win the 16 podcast, and we'll be right back. If you're an individual or an organization contemplating personal and professional development, reach out to Pygon One Consulting to have a discovery conversation regarding how we can help you and your business. Please visit our website at pygonone.com to start your journey. Welcome back, everybody, to Win the 16 podcast. So we're talking about courageous leadership, and now we are going to talk about nine ways to become a courageous leader. Because again, remember, like everything in Win the 16, courage is a skill and it is something we can work on if it's a priority and if we believe it's important. And Bud and I clearly are big believers in courageousness and courage, courage and leadership. So number one, seek and receive feedback. And when we get it, we should say thank you. And it's, it's hard. I know, I know it's hard for me. We, we need to not justify or get defensive about the feedback. The best advice I got years ago was just listen to the feedback and say thank you. And if there's something you want to comment on, reserve to do it at another time so you keep that line of communication open. That's a great piece of advice. Let that feedback sit. And it's hard, it's bud. It's hard. It's hard, especially when you've got something immediately to justify it. Because sometimes we do, as leaders, make decisions where it might not be the exact thing that we would have wanted to do, but we had to do it. And sometimes people just don't know the why, so you really want to share at that moment. Uh, but most data supports, you should probably just sit on it and wait for it because you want to continue to have that open door. And people find it so attractive professionally if you can just sit on it and take all that information down. Another one, stick to your convictions. Stay steady. Be clear on your values and your principles no matter what. Stick to those convictions. Prepare to stop doing methods that worked in the past and be open to new methods. This is that whole growth mindset. This is that world is changing so fast. This one's tough. We've been in business, we've been doing things, it's been working, and we tend to lean on those things, bud, and those methods, because we've been successful. The problem, the ball is just moving so quickly in front of us that we have to just be cognizant of it, and that takes courageousness to do that. Yeah, I, this is a great one. I hadn't even thought about it um, when we talked a little bit about the learners, versus the learned and how we want to be learners and the learned are, you know, fully equipped to exist and function in a world that no longer exists. And they never really thought about the fact that it takes courage to move from the learned position of this is how we've always done it to the learner's position. Mm -hmm. um, but it, absolutely. And I think that again, like we've talked about, and I've come to believe is courage is so embedded in being a good leader. And courage, I said early on, I said, this podcast is just not for leaders. Let's say you're involved in a relationship that's not healthy, it's toxic. It takes courage to get out of those or relieve those people from your life. You know, if you've got some friends that over the years have went down a path that maybe is not the same path you'd like to go down with, it takes real courageousness to walk away from that. I, I tip people's hat who do that. That's hard. 
playing along with this preparing to stop doing methods that worked in the past leads us right into the next one, but, and that's innovate. Innovation, innovation. Sometimes innovation is easy, and there's other times it's hard, and it takes a lot of thought, and is not so simple. Well, you know, it's funny, you mentioned that too, and you look at how leadership in the business world or companies or corporations change, right? And it's the innovators. So you can think of some examples of, you know, in the 70s with IBM and how the real innovators in tech were the Apple and the Microsoft and now how they are dominant. IBM still exists, but the real innovators were the ones who took the lead or, you know, how Kodak doesn't exist anymore. Um, I think we've shared the story. They had digital photography technology before anyone. Yes. Their R&D developed it and they couldn't move their business model away from the fixed guaranteed revenue. And again, I'm not being critical because when you start to do the numbers, you understand why the guys in the 70s making those decisions made those decisions, but they directly impacted the demise of that country or that company 40 years later to other digital camera innovators. And it is the innovators that become the new leaders. But you bring up interesting points. You know what would be a fascinating book now that I think about it? I'm gonna write this down. An interesting book would be CEOs, business organizations, what they did not do to innovate, what they passed up on. What I mean by that is they chose not to purchase a certain technology product or company. Blockbuster is the one you and I have discussed in the past. In 2000, Blockbuster could have purchased Netflix for $50 million. Netflix last year in total revenue in 2022 was $31.6 I'm going to see if there are any or many books out there discussing companies that missed opportunities. Kodak, I know probably what happened there. They're sitting in the boardroom discussing technology that could cannibalize X, Y, and Z amount of profit and revenue. I'm sure that probably is not going to sit great with the shareholders is my guess. Absolutely. I've read some stuff about it. Their prime, their largest profit margin was on the selling of film. And so you can imagine coming into that meeting and saying, you know what? We're going to create a technology that doesn't use film. So that <laughs> profit, that revenue over time will disappear. Yes. How do you make that sell? Yes. So I'm not, I'm not critical of them in the short term, because I, I totally get it. And there was no guarantee that that was going to happen or be the technology. So you can imagine the conversations, right? Right. And this could bring up a whole other conversation and podcast is when we talk about CEOs and board of directors, what is their main job? Is it just to drive revenue for that year and getting the stock to where they want to get it? Or uh, is it a combination to Who's going to take this company so this company's flourishing three, five, and 10 years? Those are different discussions and those are different plans and mindsets for the leaders of these organizations. So that'll take us down a whole other path. So I'll get back to some other things I, that I just, we can I, do. Go ahead, I, jump I, in. I have to comment too, because you mentioned the Netflix. And Netflix had a business model with the sending out of the DVDs and, and, and what have you. Um, that beat Blockbuster on a convenience issue because you didn't have to go to it, right? They could just do it and you could do it online. Where they really became Netflix though was with innovation. They, they hired 
technology people who who worked on streaming and improved the streaming technology to actually make it doable and possible because initially it was so slow that you couldn't and it required so much bandwidth that you couldn't stream movies that you could watch in real time without interruption right so where they really became netflix that we think of today is the streaming aspect so again they had their business model where they were a successful company i'm sure the people started did very well uh, with the dvds but where they really became what we think of netflix now was the innovation with streaming yes right i mean i use netflix i never ever do the dvd i stopped that years ago yeah, sure. now it's right. all streaming Everybody. right so they were innovative and moved forward on that so they abandoned that business model and adopted the innovation streaming business model what I loved about that book on Netflix, too, that they wrote, that book, it, and it was years ago that, that the book came out, but what I loved about it is it's the thought process. It's what they were thinking about at that moment and what they were looking at down the line that is the connect the dots for me as I'm trying to train my brain to think more and more like that, too. So that's where that book, to me, is that connecting of the pieces really, really was impactful in that growth mindset. So here, let's go to some more, bud. Think differently, lead by example, changing self first before trying to change others. Uh, my friend, Nick, who's a loyal listener in New York, uh, I'm sure he's smiling, he's here, he hears the lead by example because he, he brings it up to me on every possible chance he can't we get into a conversation. But that is so powerful. You can exhibit courageous leadership. Guess what? You might get other people to follow if it becomes commonplace. And I don't just say that in the corporate world, I say that in any world, uh, in a home, as a parent, you demonstrate enough courageousness, you might get the kids to follow uh, which is very healthy, difficult conversations coming. I think this one, bud, I, most people, when this kind this comes up is in corporate America, a lot of times we hear this word is we're going to go through a, a course on crucial conversations. I took that years and years ago, uh, difficult conversations, how to have them. And a lot of people say, Oh, I do them. What I want to change. I want to change the, thought process on this level. I think most people listening to this today absolutely have co crucial conversation, difficult conversations. What I'd like to bring to the forefront is asking ourselves, is this commonplace for us? Are there times when we walk away from when we should be having some crucial conversations or difficult conversations that we take the least of path of resistance? The answer is, I don't know, that's for you to decide because this is critical in our, not our own development, but the people we're talking to, working with, or even our own households and not letting it go. Another one, admitting mistakes. And when we do admit mistakes, I love this piece and that is sharing the learnings. I made a mistake, here's what I've learned from it. The example I think we talked about in a couple podcasts from the book, uh, that I brought to um, our conversation was when we make a mistake or when something doesn't go exactly how we desire, the question really should be is, what did we learn from that? 
what can we take away so maybe we don't create and have that same mistake again? That's the learning point from that for me. Another one, recognize and eliminate unproductive un and unhealthy situations, even when it's hard and it's gonna cause short-term problems. That's courageousness as well too, is by doing what we're gonna do and eliminate, it's gonna cause some pain and being willing to accept that. The last one, bud, and that is, not a, is to not ignore or allow bad behavior because people are watching and they will feast off that and it will come back to hurt us. So there was a bunch that we just shared. Anything else but on some of these before? I know you've got some things you wanted to share on as well. Uh, yeah, the difficult conversations. I've taken crucial conversations two or three times and, and the only thing I get out of that is that I'm not good at it. Um, and, and I think the hard part is it's a skill. Having conversations are a skill. So having them commonly and doing it often does help you improve, but you can't have a difficult conversation every four months or six months and expect to be good at it. Uh, it, it, is, it is really a talent. Um, and, and it's, again, one of conversations, communications, one of, again, one of my four C's of leadership. Good leaders are really good at listening more importantly than talking, but listening, but then also having those conversations. But um, can I interject on that? You, the crucial conversation you just said, when I, I think the, the, the whole course, when people take courses on crucial conversation, difficult conversations, there's many of them out there. We've all taken something like that or uh, read something on it. The key point why it's so difficult is because we start these conversations that, that are gonna be challenging, that are gonna be difficult, to have a quality, good, difficult conversation, there's so many aspects of communication that have to be involved. That's why it gets so hard. You have to be a good listener. You have to be open-minded because the other person usually is going to give their perspective and it potentially most of the time is different than yours. And we have to be able to listen to that and not jump in. Emotional intelligence has to come into play. Very difficult. DISC or personality assessment and behaviors have to because the person we're talking to, but I know whenever I talk to you, you know, you and I are big believers in personality assessments. I know you're a critical thinker. I know I have to get out of you all the questions and all the thoughts you have in your mind to get to where ultimately we want to go in this conversation because if you don't get there, you're never going to be comfortable and you're never going to make the change potentially that we're looking to do. So we're all different. That's why I ultimately, crucial conversations are so difficult, is once we bring them up, there's so many aspects of communication that have to be invoked in that conversation that if any of those steps, and there's more of them left out, it doesn't go well. <laughs> so you said you're not good at it. What I would say is, I think you're good at bringing them up. The issue is, what step you and I tend to fail or miss, and I just named only a couple. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But again, I think the highlight too is it's a skill. Absolutely. It can be learned, it can be, and it needs to be practiced. Uh, and the more you practice it, um, like you say, break it down in the way you named, um, the better you'll get at it. Uh, and it does take courage because a lot of people will avoid them. Sure. Um, it's just hard. because they are difficult and, and they often don't go well because we're not good at it. Uh, and so we have a tendency to avoid it. So again, getting back to how important courage is in leadership, 
because it does take courage to have those conversations. Absolutely. So, but why don't you share <clears throat> the last couple items that you wanted to bring up today yeah, on this? Thanks. Well, you know, it, it, when relating it to business too, right? You know, it really is a business skill. Um, one of the things that, to caution people too is, is, you know, you really have to make impulsive decisions. Um, there are very few situations that are really life and death, like we talked about, where bravery, you're being, you know, your life is being at risk and you need to make a brave decision in the moment or, you know, that that's rarely the case in business. It rarely emerges from nowhere. Um, courage is a business skill. It's more often a calculated risk-taking. Uh, and some of the things that I think you can think about that help you take that risk uh, and when to take that risk is, you know, really think about what are your goals, you know, and again, this is where it's sort of many, all these things sort of tie into when the 16, you know, what are your goals, right? How important are your goals? You really want to avoid squandering your political capital on low priority issues, right? One of the things you want to look at to be successful, do you have that supportive power network, right? It's really important to have a power network for courageous acts at work. What are the trade-offs? Have you really thought about that? The risks and benefits of moving forward, um, you know, is now the right time, right? Like we talked about, real emergencies in business are pretty rare. So have you taken the time to figure out what your network is, your support? Do you have all the information you need to make a good decision about and to assess the risks and benefits, right? What evidence do you have where you can improve your odds of success, right? You can ask yourself three questions about this. What if I waited a week to make this decision? Do I really have the credibility to make this work right now? And should I remove any political obstacles first? Um, that was one thing that I learned as the CMO too, is I did not calculate the political obstacles very well and didn't think about it because I never really thought in those kind of terms. It was like, oh, this is what we should do instead of thinking in a broader plan. And so I wasn't as effective as I should have been. I'd be much better today uh, than I was back then because of the, I think a little bit differently. And then do I have a contingency plan, right? So think about worst case scenario, what happens? Mm. Can I live with that? Because um, a lot of these things we talk about it, depending on the size and scale, are risky. Uh, and if it doesn't go your way, are you okay with the contingency plan? Um, and if you have all those sort of six things aligned, it makes it much easier to give you the courage to make that move. If you waver on any of those, that hesitation may prevent you from making the courageous move or doing it in a half manner so that you're unsuccessful because you're not fully committed to it. Hmm. Great. Thanks for sharing, bud. Bud, we've come to the end of the podcast. Uh, another, they always seem to fly by. Anything else before I close out today, bud, from your perspective on courageous leadership that you'd like to share? Well, I'm going to give a plug for my book again, Art of War, and try to tie these things <laughs> on. I, know. <laughs> I, I feel like you're... I, I, excuse me. I feel um, like you... I, I, are, you getting royal, are you getting royalties on yeah. this? Well, you know, again, it's it's. I, I want to show some of the thoughtfulness behind the podcast. Now, they do all sort of tie together in some way. And, and the Art of War does apply to a discussion on courage. And I'm just going to... A couple quotes that we shared back then. 
He will win who knows when to fight and when not to fight. And that talks about the skill of, is it the time to make the move right now? Ponder and deliberate before you make a move. Like we talked about there, have we aligned our power network? What are the risk benefits? What's our contingency plan, right? And then who wishes to fight must first count the cost, right? The wise warrior avoids the battle. And again, that's about, you know, risk benefits. What are my goals? Don't spend your political capital on low priority issues because you may not have it when you really need it for things that are really important. So again, it talks a little bit more about being a very mindful and thoughtful about how you lead as a, how you courageously lead. Oh, that's great, bud. Thanks. I 100% on board. In closing today, we've discussed bravery versus courage, why some people are not courageous and why some people do not exhibit courageous leadership as much as maybe they desire if, as they reflect traits in courageous leadership. We looked at nine ways to become a courageous leader. So our goal today for everybody was not to say people are not courageous leaders. It is was just to share some things that maybe help all of us maybe have a reflection period. We've said it from day one on these podcasts with Win the 16. Skills can be developed, but we do need to take the time to actually reflect and think about and have contemplative thought and to see where we're at. And that was the hope today is we all have an opportunity to reflect on where we're at on this skill that can be developed courageous leadership and are there some opportunities and how can we exhibit this more. So our next podcast will be April 12th. As always, thank you for listening to Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One Consulting. If you'd like to contact and communicate with us, you can always reach us, question, comments, or if you'd like to have a discussion with Pygon One Consulting, you can reach us at pygon1.com. We sure hope everyone wins the 16 and please have a great one and thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go win the 16.